Good evening. Good to see you tonight. Hope that you had a good afternoon and glad we're back together uh, to continue to worship God. Have you ever been overwhelmed by numbers? Maybe just the, the sheer volume of something. Uh, maybe in a math class, uh, just trying to figure out uh, what all the, the math and the formulas and the equations mean. When I, when I think about being overwhelmed uh, this afternoon, I was thinking about it, and I thought about an old uh, show, actually the a season uh, opener for season two of the show, I Love Lucy. All right, so some of you have seen it before. Probably many of us have seen the clip, even if we haven't seen that show, but it is uh, that classic scene where Lucy and her friend uh, Ethel uh, are at a chocolate factory uh, that may be coming back to you, hopefully. Uh, but they're sitting at a conveyor belt, and their job is to take these, uh, these pieces of chocolate that are coming out of the kitchen on this white or this uh, paper conveyor belt, and they're supposed to wrap them and put them back on the conveyor belt, and they go to, to packaging. Uh, and this very intimidating lady comes right out at the beginning of the clip and says, All right, this is your last chance. If one single piece of this chocolate gets past you and gets into the box, then you're fired. And of course, Lucy, in her very Lucy way, is very nervous about it. Uh, but, and and the, the conveyor belt begins, and it's coming through pretty slowly, and, uh, and they're wrapping and they're doing well. And then, of course, Lucy says those famous last words, Hey, this is pretty easy. Not recognizing or realizing that, that slowly but surely that conveyor belt is getting faster and faster and faster to the point where at the end of it they're stuffing chocolate pieces into their mouth. They're putting it, they have the chef's hats on, they take their chef hat off, off put it in there. They're stuffing it down their shirt. They're just doing anything and everything that they can because they are completely overwhelmed by the sheer volume of chocolates that they're supposed to be wrapping and packaging and putting back on the conveyor belt. And they are just completely Overwhelmed. In the Old Testament, there are some 613 commands. And the reality is, the Jews of the Old Testament thousands of years ago, and we today, would be, if we were held accountable to those 613 or 600 plus, however many there are, commands, we would be overwhelmed by the sheer volume of commands. By how many there are, how specific they are, exactly what you have to do in every circumstance and in every situation. It's amazing that God thought of some of these commandments for these very specific situations, but we would simply be overwhelmed by them. And Jesus, in Matthew chapter 22, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Matthew chapter 22, a familiar passage to you, uh, but Jesus categorizes summarizes and most importantly simplifies all of them in Matthew chapter 22 verses 35 through 40. Matthew 22 35 through 40 it says one of them one of the Pharisees one of the Sadducees one of these religious leaders comes to Jesus he's a lawyer and it says um asked him a question testing him verse 36 and here's this question teacher which is the greatest commandment in the law so out of 613 commandments Jesus which one is the greatest commandment? That's the question that he's posing. And Jesus says to him in verse 37, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the great and foremost, most important commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So Jesus, you know, characteristically or regularly, Jesus, when he's teaching someone and someone asks his, him a question, what's his usual response? He usually turns it around and asks them a question, doesn't he? But notice he's very direct. There's no, uh, there's no um, there's no hemming and hawing. He goes very direct. What's the greatest commandment? Love God with everything you've got. 
And then he goes above and beyond the assignment. He says, hey, and the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Tonight, you're getting a, a preview in some ways of what will, Lord willing, starting next Sunday morning, be somewhat of a four-part series that we're going to talk about what the shepherds here and the ministry team and others have been involved in thinking about really what do we want to be about here at Jefferson Avenue? What do we want to focus on? What do we want to, to, to set as our, our priorities? And, and we've used these terms, and these are the terms that we're going to use as we talk about this, uh, a, a mission and a vision. What's the mission, not just really of Jefferson Avenue, what's the mission of the church? And then vision may specifically relate to us. What are we going to do to try and achieve that mission? And what, what I want to do in, in some ways is I want to encourage you, because some of you haven't heard this, some of us have heard this before, we've talked about it, some of us have talked about it a whole lot, uh, and we're excited about finally getting it into, into some action, uh, but some of you haven't heard about it. But I want you guys to know, uh, as a congregation, be some of the first folks to really know what we're, what we're thinking about, what we're talking about, and, and why it's important. And, and then also, uh, in some ways, for you tonight, and I'll do this again probably next Sunday, I want to alleviate any concerns that there might be. And, and, you know, the shepherds want to talk to you if you've got concerns about these ideas. I want to talk to you if you've got concerns about these ideas. But I think even with just the, the brief, and it will be relatively brief, overview of, of what we're going to talk about tonight, I hope that it will give you some, some comfort. When we think about mission and vision, especially mission, some people uh, and, and some of our religious friends, they have mission statements, or they have statements of faith, or they have all of these things that, that are, are good and, and, and can be right, uh, but some of them add a little extra. They're extra biblical. They go a little too far. They go a little, they don't quite go enough. But what I want to alleviate or to, to encourage you and let you know is that when we think about mission and vision, what we're talking about, no matter what anybody else talks about when they use those phrases, mission and vision, especially mission, it doesn't change anything, but it clarifies everything. You hear me? We're, we're not, the shepherds aren't interested in it. The ministry team, none of the ministers are interested in. None of the people we've talked about, ministry leaders or deacons, they're not interested in changing anything scripturally. We're not interested in that. We want to follow God and follow God the best that we can according to the Bible. It doesn't change anything, but it clarifies everything. And that's what Jesus did in Matthew 22. Which is the greatest commandment of 600 plus commandments? Well, that you, you could have... You know, an entire book's written about that idea. The, the values and the, the virtues of this commandment over that commandment and that commandment over this commandment. But Jesus just very quickly and very easy and very directly says, there's no doubt about it. There is one most important commandment. Love God with everything you've got. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Now that comes from among a number of places in the Old Testament. It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Again, probably a passage that you're familiar with. When he, where he says there, is, as he's talking about the commands that are going to be given and how they should uh, talk about them with their children, well, when they walk by the wayside, when they lie down, when they rise up, they should be as frontals for your forehead and, and you know, just, just have the word of God ever before you. But he starts with, love God with everything you've got. And, and Jesus says, now, if Paul said it, it would be just as important. If Peter said it, it'd be just as important. If Scripture said it in any form or fashion, it'd be just as important. But it is powerful that Jesus says it. He says, love God with everything you've got. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, all of the law and all of the prophets depend. What that means is there are other details. There were in the Old Testament. There are for us today. 
There are other details to learn and important truths to follow. But all of it, all of our faith, all of the actions that we take, everything we believe comes down to love God and love others. And he he says that about the law, but then the the idea of the, the prophets... Uh, the prophets are, you know, everything written about God's people and, 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 and God's people's ability uh, to, to put these things into practice, to put these ideas of loving God and loving others into practice in their lives. And it's still true today. Everything that we do as, as individuals, as families, as, as, congr- as a congregation, as the church worldwide should boil down to these two things. Am I going to do this? Well, does it help me love God? Or does it hurt my relationship with God? Am I going to do that? Is it going to help me love others or is it going to harm me in my efforts to love others? And I need to consider this. And this is, this is not a, uh, a mission statement that, that says uh, anything beyond what Jesus himself says. That we want to be about loving God and loving others. Now that's some clarity on commandments, but what about, what about purpose? What about the second part, being make disciples? I, I thought about it as I was thinking about it this, uh, this uh, week. Uh, you know, you remember those famous words of Joshua, Joshua, the, uh, the leader of the Israelites. Remember, he had Moses that led the people out of, out of Egypt, out of captivity, uh, and, and they made it to the, the promised land. They were right there on the doorstep. People didn't have the faith that they needed in God, and because of that, they didn't go to the promised land. They wandered around the desert for 40 years, and then who, who takes charge after Moses? Joshua, right? Joshua leads them across the Jordan. He, they conquer the, the promised land, and, and they take care of the promised land. They're They're there. And Joshua, just like Moses, just like any person who leads any group of people, had to deal with the difficulties of God's people. And they were difficult during his time too. Remember what he says at the end of his life? Right before he's about to die, right before uh, his, his story is over, he looks to the people, the whole, uh, probably a million plus people or so are gathered at this point. He, all the leaders of the people, at least. And he says to them, whether it's right in your sight to follow God or not, you can, you can choose to, to serve the, uh, the gods which your father served beyond the river before we got into the promised land, or you can choose to serve the, the God of the, the, the Ammonites, the Amorites, all these uh, Canaanites, you can choose to serve their God. But what does he say? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Those are the last words. It's, it's interesting. We have a lot of different characters where we, we record their, their last words. What are some of Jesus' last words before he leaves that give us a purpose? Of course, it's the Great Commission, isn't it? Turn it over to Matthew chapter 28. I know you're familiar with it, but let's, let's turn there and read it. Matthew chapter 28. Let's read verses 18 through 20. Again, as Jesus is, is just about to, uh, to depart this world... And to leave them, the, the very last really commandments in many ways that he gives to us. He says this, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me and in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So here's, here's the, the rallying cry. Here's the, the, the purpose statement. Here's what God says. You are my disciples. You are my people. Here's what you need to be about. And, and we all know that, right? We all know those verses. And we all know what, what those apostles, what those disciples did in the first century. And then if we compare ourselves in our lives, we probably can all say, well, I don't know that I'm doing quite as well as I want to do. I want to be a better evangelist. And that's a, that's a fancy word that just means tell people about Jesus. Tell people about why they should love Jesus. Tell people about why they need Jesus. Tell people about what Jesus has done in your life. 
And, and you and I probably could have a desire, should have a desire to want to do that. As we are being disciples, as we are following Jesus in our everyday lives, we talked about that in depth this morning, we want to be disciples of Christ. We've got a long way to mature and we'll always be maturing in that, trying to have that attitude which was in Christ Jesus when he died for us and set us that example. We want to be disciples and a part of being a disciple, and really just not even, not even a commandment so much as is, while I am being a disciple, I will have a desire to help others be disciples. I want to help make other people disciples. Because if Jesus means so much to me, then I want to tell you about how much he can mean to you and the things that he can do to you. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Jesus says, I want you to to go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Go, teach, baptize. Those are things that you and I need to do as the church. Is it a simplification? Yeah, it is a simplification. But so were Jesus' words when he says, love God with everything you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. That was a simplification of what the most important commandments were. So as I said, this is, this is not meant to, to change anything, but it does to clarify everything. And what, what I mean by that is, what I believe the shepherds want, what I believe the ministry team wants, what I believe that really the whole congregation would want, would be for us to think about everything that we do, every Bible class we have, every service project that we do, Uh, every worship series or every worship time that we come together, everything that we do as a congregation should focus on these ideas. How does this help me love God more? How does this help me love others better? How does this help me be a better disciple? And how does it train me or encourage me to help others be disciples? It's not to the exclusion of anything else. It just helps to clarify everything else. The reality is that loving God and loving others and being and making disciples, that will never change. That shouldn't change for Jefferson Avenue. It shouldn't change for any church that's trying to be Jesus' church because that's what Jesus' people are about. That's what Christians are about. Loving God, loving others, being and making disciples. Those things should never change. And like I said, we'll, we'll go much more in depth in, in each of these ideas over the next few weeks. But that, that is the, the mission that we are on. That's the mission, not just that Jefferson Avenue is on. This is the way we've worded it. But in reality, Jesus' church is on this mission. Love God with everything you've got. Love others as you love yourself. As you're being a disciple, striving to mature in your your faith, help others become disciples as well. But it's not just mission. I want to take just a couple brief moments to think about vision. What's What's the difference between mission and vision? Well, vision is the how of the why. We, we, everything we do is about what's on the screen. The vision is how have we decided, the shepherds decided, the ministry team giving input, the congregation giving input with deacons and ministry leaders, how have we decided to best accomplish or what were we going to focus on in order to best accomplish the mission of the church? And what we've thought about is, based on a, a report that was, uh, that I think uh, uh, the, the elders, the shepherds, uh, asked for a few years ago, that you've probably heard about before in, in various times and various places perhaps, but they, they took kind of census information, uh, but, but much more in depth uh, of the, our surrounding area, Cookville and Putnam County. And, and they found this. In Putnam County, this was a few years ago, so this number has probably grown uh, based on just the fact that the, the, the county has grown. Now think about this. 
Bobby, let me just ask you for clarity. This was county, right? County. All right. My understanding is there's some 80,000 people living here today in Putnam County. 80-ish, maybe a little more than that. A few years ago, there were 45,000 of those people who were unchurched. That means they didn't go to church anywhere. They weren't involved in anything religiously regularly. Does that surprise you? That number kind of surprises me. That's over half of the people that are in our community that have no church connection. They may have gone to church in the past and stopped going. They may have never gone to church. Uh, they may have just been too lazy to check what church they go to, but it wasn't important enough to them to, ch- to make that check. Uh, that They were disconnected from church, therefore disconnected from God in some form or fashion. Now, that's a big number, 45,000 people. Do you think that God wants those 45,000 people to go to heaven? Of course he does. Of course he does. But the vision is... The thing that we want to try to accomplish, this is a a vision, it's an aim, it's a goal, it's something that that we're going to strive for. Again, as we think about all the activities that we do, all the the, the Bible classes, the the, uh, sermons, the the outreach, all that we do, it's about loving God, loving others, being and making disciples. But specifically, we want to think about, and this is something that, that could change over time. Okay, but but, but we see a need that in our community, there are 45,000 people who right now have no connection to church. What if we could reach just 1% of them? Would that be a big deal? That'd be 450 people. 450 people. That would be everyone who's at the auditorium, including the children, reaching one person and then some, right? We had 350, a little 350 this morning. So that's everybody here on Sunday morning, everybody finding someone who's unchurched, okay, this is not people who are part of another church, right, wrong, or indifferent, Uh, those people are important too, those people have souls too, we're not excluding them in this effort, but our effort specifically is on people who are unchurched, unconnected, have, for whatever reason, little or no interest in, in religion at this point, and we're going to target and reach and outreach and try to reach them. Listen, so, so the idea here is that we reach these 450 people by 2030. That is seven years, nine months, and a number of days away. That's not going to be too long. My math may be totally wrong there. If it is, you'll forgive me. 450 people in eight years. How in the world are we going to do that? Well, again, the shepherds have done more uh, investigation on this, so if you want to look into it, you can do it, but... But it won't be, and again, let me caveat this, and I hope you're understanding who I am and where we're coming from. We're not changing anything biblically. We have no desire to do that. No desire to do that. But over the last 10 years, Jefferson Avenue has not baptized 450 people. So if we're going to reach and disciple and baptize and teach all that Jesus has commanded to 450 people, it's going to have to be something different than what we've been doing. I don't know what the numbers are, but I don't know that it would be too much of a stretch to say in the last 20 years, Jefferson Avenue hasn't been a part of baptizing and discipling 450 people. I don't know that for sure. But if I take my church experience from other places and apply it here, that's probably accurate. 450 people in the last... 20 years. So how are we going to do it in the next eight years? Well, it's going to have to be that we're going to do some things a little different. And when I say some things different, again, 
all that is is changing the focus of why we do it. Why do we have fellowship meals, for instance? Is it just for us to get together and hang out and enjoy some food? Well, practically, that may have been why for the last 10, 20, 50 years, churches, not just Jefferson Avenue, have fellowship meals. How can we take a fellowship meal and make it something that will reach the unchurched? I don't know exactly, but that's the question we have to ask. How can we take vacation Bible school where we have a wonderful time and, and the kids love it and, and, and we have people and kids coming in from, uh, from the community that come to this? Or, or how many, let's just ask ourselves this question, how many of those kids who have come to vacation Bible school over the last five years, ten years, twenty years, how many of them and or their parents have become Christians? The number's probably not super high. So how can we take vacation Bible school and not necessarily not have it, but change it, shift it, refocus it on loving God, loving others, being and making disciples and reaching people who are unchurched? What can we do there? I don't know exactly. And, and I'm just a spoiler alert. We don't know exactly what this is going to look like, but we know that the Bible teaches that these are things that we should be doing. And we want to do these things. And we know for sure that Jesus would love, that God would love for us to reach 450 unchurched people for his cause but how are we going to do it we got to think about this we got to consider this we have to to try to understand how are we going to do this again this this vision this goal this aim it could change we we might miss it completely by 2030 but what if what if we only disciple 100 people in the next eight years again that would probably be more than what we have what we have been doing over the last five ten years so these are, these are aims, these are efforts, and, and, and really all of our efforts are going to be associated with. What, what, about, what, what should our men's ministry do? What should our ladies' ministry do? What should our young at heart ministry do? What should our youth group do? What should our college age group do? What should all of us do as individuals and as families? What should Jefferson Avenue do? How can we best reach these people? And again, all of this not excluding the fact that there are people here who need to mature in their faith. And how can we help the people who are here who need to mature in their faith? This does also, uh, just to... to I'm rambling a little bit now, I realize it. But just to explain the scope of it, let me remind you that unchurched people don't include our children. Our children are not unchurched. We want, I want my kids to grow up and be Christians. You want your kids to grow up and be Christians? Of course we do. And, and we, we're going to do everything that we can in our power to, to encourage that kind of faith. But that doesn't count in this vision of 450 unchurched people. Uh, there, there are people that the reality is we just haven't, been aiming at them we haven't been focusing on them we haven't been targeting them not collectively and purposefully and we want to do that but again vision can change and it may change we may say well you know that that 450 uh one percent of the forty-five thousand people that are unchurched that's 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 not working for us there there could be any number of reasons that that might change and we might go a different direction and say instead we're going to focus on this or instead we're going to focus on this and and that that stuff can change but let me reiterate the most important thing this stuff up here that will never change whether and it's not because the shepherds came up with that or the ministry team came up with it it's because jesus came up with that those are jesus words right there we won't argue about it i'm not going to argue about it you you can take it up with god God says the most important commandments of any commandment he's ever given. Love God with everything you've got. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he gives us a purpose right before he leaves earth and goes back to heaven. The place we're all trying to get. And he says you need to be disciples. And while you're being disciples you need to go and make other disciples. 
and maturing them and helping them to be everything that they need to be. So, so I, hope, uh, I hope this was encouraging, a little bit challenging, again, trying to, to alleviate any concerns. There will be questions, and we've got questions. The, the ministry team has questions on what does it look like for us, and the ministry team has questions on what does it look like for the shepherds and the deacons and the ministry leaders and our families. We, we've got questions, but we know, even though we don't have all the answers, God does. God can use us. God will use us if we are doing his will, and there's no doubt about it. This is his will. He's told us that. So the details, yeah, we've got to figure some things out. And we will. And for the next however long we live, we'll be figuring out details. But we know beyond the shadow of a doubt, this is something that God would have for us to aim at. So I hope that you will be prayerful about it. It was mentioned all the way back in December. This is something that's been in, in, in our, on our minds and hearts for, for months now. Uh, to, to pray for the shepherds and pray for the ministry team as we thought about this. And this is something that's going to, it's not, if the elders are not going to, uh, convert 450 people in the next eight years. The ministry team is not going to convert and disciple 450 people in the next eight years. It's going to take the entire congregation. That means it's going to take you playing your part in helping us to do everything that we think God would want us to do. And that's all we're seeking to do. Let's pray. God, we come to you, and, and Lord, as we have, in our honestly feeble efforts strived to narrow our focus, uh, to clarify our purpose with this mission and vision of what we think you would want us to do, things that you would be pleased with us. Lord, we pray, as we have prayed many times before, that if we're going in a wrong direction, you will show us and you will stop us. But Lord, we're confident because it's from your word and from your son that we are heading in a good direction. And Lord, if that is true, we pray for your blessings upon us. We pray that you will bless us indeed, bless us abundantly, bless us beyond ways that we can even imagine, God. Lord, we pray that you will give us the courage to do the right thing, and we know the right thing is what your word teaches us to do. Lord, we pray that you will give us the endurance to uh, experience difficulty and to keep going on the path that is right. Lord, we pray that you will help us to to have all that we need, Uh, not in our own power, though, in your power. Help us to have all that we need to try to accomplish not just this goal or this vision, but but much more importantly, striving to be and accomplish this mission that you have given to your people. Uh, Lord, we pray for your wisdom. We pray for your strength. We pray for your might, and we pray for your actions in our lives as individuals and in this congregation. And Lord, as, as things and, and focus and, and, and activities shift and morph and change in, in, in small ways and, and maybe even in big ways, Lord, Lord, we, we have no desire to turn any way but to you. Help us to do that. But help us to do that with a real purpose in mind of striving to reach people who are lost, striving to reach people who, who are not connected to you in any way. Uh, Lord, they're there. They're right beside us. They're probably our, our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers, our family members, God. Lord, help us to, to do all that we can to reach the lost and to bring them to you so that you can save their souls. Lord, we thank you for Jesus who gives us the hope of heaven. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Uh, Tonight, if you're not a Christian, you might be one of those 450 people we're trying to reach. Uh, We want you to know there's a God who loved you enough to send his son to come and die for you. Even when you were his enemy, you were helpless, you were godless, you, you had nothing to do and didn't want anything to do with God. He loved you enough to come and to die for you. If you want to know more about that, we'd love to have that opportunity to sit down and show you God's word and to teach you about that. If you're, if you're confident that you know enough about it already, 
and you want to name Jesus as your Lord, confess him as your Lord, and repent of your sins, and, and come to be baptized into him for the remission of those sins, then we'd love to, for that to happen tonight. Not to reach a number, but because your soul matters. If there's any needs that you have tonight, we invite you to come and let us know those things as we stand and sing.